acknowledge, of course, we're on the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking people, the Songhees and Esquimalt First Nations. I want to say at the outset what was important to me when I ran for office, what remains important to me is doing the best I can to make the right choices for British Columbians, making sure people's lives are better, making sure we tackle problems head-on in an open and transparent way and make the best decisions possible for the people of British Columbia. The future of Site C is one of those tough decisions. And today we're announcing a way forward, and it's been a difficult journey. Uh, I'm joined, of course, by my colleagues, George Heyman, the Minister of Environment and Climate Action Solutions, and Minister Michelle Mungal, the Minister of Energy, Mines, and Petroleum Resources. We've had a whole team of people working on this file. Carol James is not with us today. She is in Ottawa with a first, uh, uh, me, a finance minister's meeting, and Scott Fraser could not be here as well. So the team of the four of us, uh, the four of my colleagues and I, will be focusing on how we go forward from here with the decision on Site C. And so whether or not to proceed or not proceed with this task has been a very, very difficult issue. I've sat across the kitchen table from people who live on the river. I've sat with Indigenous peoples across the province and also in the Treaty 8 territory. I've talked to workers whose livelihood depend on this project. And I've talked to many more people, regular British Columbians, from every walk of life in every corner of this province. And I can say without any hesitation, this is a very, very divisive issue. And it will have profound impacts, not just on the people that I met in the region, not just on the people who are working on the site today, but all British Columbians, this generation and the next generation. And we have not taken this decision lightly. Our priority as a government was to ensure that when we make a decision on this, it was consistent with our values, our values that would be in the best interest of British Columbians, to make life more affordable, to ensure that the services people count on are there for them when they need them, to make sure that BC Hydro works for British Columbians, and also that true reconciliation with Indigenous peoples was part and parcel of our quest to create jobs in an environmentally sustainable way. And for many years, I have been extremely critical of the BC Liberal decision to proceed with this project. I question their motivations, I question their assumptions, I question their business case and their budgets. And we demanded for years that the BC Liberals go to the Utilities Commission, an independent body, to get accurate information to dispel the concerns of British Columbians, and the Liberals chose to ignore that. They got to the point of no return. That was their whole point. It wasn't about public policy. It wasn't about energy policy. It wasn't about the best interest of British Columbians. It was about getting a project past the point of no return. Worse, uh, the mismanagement of BC Hydro over the past number of years has led to multiple digit increases in rates for people, 24% over the past four years, some 70 plus percent since 2001. Hydro's accounts were rated to balance the budget, and they were called upon to build projects that weren't necessarily consistent with the need and timing of their forecasts going forward. For these reasons and many more, we campaigned on a platform to send the question of BC Hydro's Site C project to the Utilities Commission, and we delivered on that commitment. The Commission validated many of our concerns about the cost overruns, some $1 billion to this point in time, and they made it abundantly clear that there were alternatives available to us, available to BC Hydro, that may be less cost if you forego the sunk costs and may be in our best interest going forward. They gave us, sadly, just one clear choice. That was to proceed with a $10.7 billion project 
or cancel that project and absorb $4 billion in construction and remediation costs. Now, I want to speak directly right now to the people who have demanded that we cancel the project. I respect the strength of your convictions and your concerns about the future of BC Hydro and British Columbia. I share your determination to protect BC's farmland and reduce the impact of energy developments now and into the future. We agree that decisions like this must, must be done in tandem and in concert with Indigenous peoples, but those challenges have passed. The previous government made decisions to proceed, leaving some of those questions unanswered. I know many of us would wish that the circumstances were different, but I and my colleagues have to accept the situation as we find it, not as how we wish it would be. We have listened, we have deliberated, and we have debated. And at the end of the day, we've come to the conclusion that although Site C is not the project we would have favored, and it's not the project we would have started, it must be completed to meet the objectives our government has set through mandate letters to ministers and commitments to the people of BC during the election campaign. A low site C will cost more than $10 billion to complete. Those costs can be recovered over a long period of time by the sale of electricity. Canceling the project would mean a $4 billion hit, an unavoidable $4 billion hit immediately, either on BC Hydro's books or on the books of the Minister of Finance. The consequences of that would be a 12% rate increase almost immediately and foregoing very important capital projects like schools and hospitals, bridges and transit, and other initiatives right across British Columbia. I know that this decision will be profoundly important to many, many British Columbians. Family members of mine, friends of mine, will be very, very disappointed with this. But we came to this conclusion openly by ensuring that we did the best we could possibly do to have all of the issues on the table. We've done that, and we've come to the conclusion the proceeding is the best way forward. In doing so, we're going to put in place a number of initiatives to, to lessen the burden on BC Hydro and on British Columbians. Firstly, we're going to announce a, a series of initiatives, starting with a food security fund to ensure that we're increasing the productivity of our agricultural land and making it more viable to farm, not just in the peace, but right across British Columbia. We're going to introduce new measures by reopening the standing offer program at BC Hydro so that Indigenous people can build clean, renewable energy to put into the grid to make life better for British Columbians. We're going to make sure that the projects going forward are, uh, consist of project labor agreements, community benefit agreements, that will ensure that we have training opportunities much better than the 49 apprentices we have in place today. We want to get those numbers up as high as we possibly can. We want to make sure local uh, businesses will benefit and local workers get access to the jobs. And lastly, we're going to put in place a new oversight committee to make sure that the current budget is met in the next number of years. I want to stress that this is not a project that we favored. It's not a project we would have started. But we're three years in. A decision made in this very foyer in 2014 put Michelle and George and I in a position to make a decision that is not an easy one. We do it with a heavy heart, but we have to focus on the future. We have to focus on delivering for people. That's what we intend to do. Thank you very much for being here this morning. Okay, questions through me. We will start with Binder. Here you spoke about the questions that you and others had about this project, that you wouldn't have started it. There are cabinet ministers who spoke out against it. Um, was there unanimous uh, consent for this decision, and can you guarantee British Columbians that the costs won't go 
beyond what you have outlined today. On the uh, issue of unanimous consent, uh, there are Indigenous people, uh, communities in the north, that have signed uh, benefit agreements, and those, those communities are divided. There are communities in the north that don't want to see this proceed, and in those communities, there's a division. In my own household, there's division on this project. Within political parties, within organizations, within communities, there are divisions on this project. This was not an easy decision. I, I can't think in the 30 years I've been involved in public policy of a choice that was more difficult than this one. But it is absolutely in the interest of British Columbians to take advantage of an opportunity to go forward and make better a bad situation. In terms of the uh, final cost of this project, it's a massive capital project, the largest BC Hydro has ever done. We're putting in place a, a, a new project oversight team. We put more money in the contingency side to make sure that we can meet that objective. But uh, the guarantee I give to British Columbians is that we're going to work as hard as we can to deliver on the projects and the issues that we ran on. And that is making life more affordable. That means keeping hydro costs down, providing services for people like childcare. If we have to increase our debt servicing costs by 150 to $200 million, we won't be able to deliver childcare in the term of this government. That's a commitment we made, and that's a commitment we're going to keep. Sorry, at the cabinet table I'm talking about, was there, was there a, a unanimous decision made to go forward to, with this project, or how? The nature of cabinet decision-making is that every decision is unanimous. Uh, we grappled with this. Uh, we had countless hours of discussions in cabinet, discussions over coffee, uh, both George and Michelle have in the past ha expressed serious reservations about this project, as have I. This was not an easy decision to come to, but we did so after looking at all of the evidence. We in took the extraordinary step of inviting six individual experts, uh, pro and con, on this question to come to Cabinet to help us find the right path. We've done everything we can to make sure that the decision we made today is in the best interest of people. That's our commitment, and that's what we're going to do. Justine? Um, Premier, you had some concerns about the uh, geotechnical. I'm over here behind the lights. <laughs> oh, I, I you had concerns earlier about the geotechnical. Are you now assured you have the independent analysis that can, gives you confidence that this is not going to be a continued problem? Much of the cost overrun to this point in time has been a result of geotechnical issues. Uh, much of the work uh, on that phase of the project is completed. That's the 25% that is now behind us. Uh, the new work that's going to be done on spillways and other uh, generation elements and so on, that will not have the same uh, level of uncertainty when it comes to geotechnical issues. So we've been advised to the best way possible that we've passed those issues. But we're going to put in place, as I said, a project management team. We're going to accelerate uh, uh, the work that we do to make sure that those issues are addressed as we go forward into the new year. Also, I was told there's no additional money in this new budget for any kind of... Uh, a restitution to First Nations that oppose this project. What are your commitments under UNDRIP to the West Moberly and other Treaty 8 nations that oppose this project? Well, our commitment to reconciliation and UNDRIP don't stop in the peace there province-wide. We're working, Scott Fraser, who again could not be with us today, has an explicit mandate to ensure that he works with his colleagues uh, across government to make sure that we're implementing uh, the, the UN, UN Declaration well as the reconciliation from the most recent uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission at the level. So we're committed to doing that across government. This element, these issues, and the peace are part and parcel of that. Keith? Uh, further to Justine's question there, how could this not be a setback to your relationship with First Nations, a number of whom 
have opposed this dam well beyond West Moverly and, and Prophet River. And also, uh, to the same extent, what does this do to your relationship with the Green Party? Andrew Weaver's already issued a news release denouncing you for this, which is no surprise, but uh, both of these uh, yeah. entities are ones you've vowed to work with. Well, and I continue uh, my vow to work with Mr. Weaver and the Green Caucus. We have an agreement in place. Mr. Weaver has said to me uh, privately and has said publicly that he doesn't believe that uh, going forward this project would terminate the CASA agreement. So I'm fairly confident, although uh, Mr. Weaver and his colleagues disagree with us on this decision, that it won't have an impact on the long-term viability of the government. I'm firmly convinced of that, and I'm fairly confident Mr. Weaver will reinforce it. When it comes to uh, reconciliation and working with Indigenous leadership, look, there has been uh, over 150 years of disappointment in British Columbia. I'm not the first person to stand before you and disappoint Indigenous people. But I am, I think, the first that stood before you and said that I'm going to do my level best to make amends for a whole host of issues, a whole host of decisions that previous governments have made to put Indigenous people in an unwinnable situation. It's to talk about resource sharing when all the resources is gone, are gone is not true reconciliation. We have a lot of work to do. This is a very, very divisive issue, but I think there's a lot we can agree on. We're going to be working. We are already working with uh, Indigenous groups on Vancouver Island to address the challenges around finfish aquaculture uh, here on the coast. We're four square uh, in favor of working with uh, the First Nations and the Burrard Inlet and others to uh, do what we can to stop the Kinder Morgan project. And those are just those big ticket items that catch the news. The more important issues to communities, like making sure that there's training, making sure there's adequate housing, making sure that we're putting in place programs that will lift people up, that's the true reconciliation that we're focused on. Surely, to goodness, we can get past the acrimony around a, a big issue, a big project and start focusing on the things that matter to people. Okay, Les, Premier. over here. Thank you. Uh, Premier, what are the chances of this thing being concluded successfully, given how you've got a heavy heart today, you're very negative about the project, and you're very resentful at this point about the position of it being pushed to the point of no return? This isn't the best way to spend another $8 billion finishing this thing. Well, Les, uh, I, I, I want to be honest with you. I wanted to tell you how I felt. That's how I roll. As I've been thinking over the weekends of how I would address you here today, I kept thinking of a woman in Souk. Uh, her name's Martha, and I met her in 2005 when I was first elected. She grew up in the peace. She's heading towards 90 now, and almost every day that I've seen her over the past 12 years, she said, you have to stop Site C. That's how foundational it is for many people in British Columbia. She's not lived in the peace in 40 years but she holds fast to a vision and a hope that that valley could remain pristine. There are two dams on the Peace River already. This is the third dam that has been planned for the past 40 years. It is with a heavy heart that I make the decision, but it's with enthusiasm that I look forward so that we can now be liberated as a cabinet and as a caucus and as a government to address the issues that we campaigned on, making life more affordable, making sure that we're building schools and hospitals. If we absorb $4 billion in debt, we couldn't do that. And I, I was not prepared to foreclose on the future generations by making a decision today that would make me feel good. And uh, the Peace River people were up a couple of hours ago assuring everyone that this is the beginning of the end of the NDP government. How do you handle the, the political storm that's going to last for the next indeterminate period? I handle that, this issue, as I'll handle all issues as I come upon them. Uh, Les, uh, look, no one said to me when I was sworn in that this was going to be easy and that I would only get to make good decisions. They said, use your best judgment, make sure you're doing things in the interest of people, 
that's how I've rolled since I got into public life. I speak candidly about how I feel. That's why I'm speaking as the way I am this morning. Uh, but we need to get out of this. We need to move forward. And in the next uh, number of years, this project will proceed, as will other projects. And, and there will be crossroads where people will say, uh, I'm angry at you for making this decision. I understand the depth of feeling on this issue better than most in British Columbia. And it wasn't just the countless hours we spent as colleagues in cabinet or in cabinet committees or in caucus. It was the conversations we had as we were waiting for the ferry or the conversations we had walking down the corridor. We have been grappling with this since we formed government. British Columbians have been grappling this, with this issue for 40 years. And I, I don't have a magic solution, but I have the best solution we can come up with. The time I have is here to make sure we're doing the least amount of damage to BC Hydro, to the people of British Columbia, and in fact, looking at turning a page and making the best of a bad situation. And that's what I'm going to do. Hey, Vaughn. One for Michelle Mangal. The question for you is... Uh, you, uh, you said by definition cabinet decisions are unanimous. Uh, I assume that you also had a discussion in caucus. Are you confident that you will not lose any caucus members over this decision? I'm confident that the caucus uh, is as torn on this issue as the cabinet, uh, and I'm confident uh, that we're going to hold fast on this issue. There's too much to do, too many things that have been ignored over the past 16 years that we need to focus on. We need to build schools. We need to build hospitals. We need to make sure we've got enough health care workers in our, in our acute care centers to provide services for people. Seniors want care. We need transit. There's a whole range of issues that my caucus colleagues are committed to delivering on, and we're going to get past this. On the, uh, the issue of uh, unanimity, I also know that many of my colleagues, and two of them are with me right now, uh, have, have grappled with this issue, and they will have strong words in the days ahead. And I appreciate that people would like to have us all singing Kumbaya, but all of us grappled with this. It's, it's not, I'm not unique. George and, and Michelle are not unique. I have caucus colleagues that are profoundly disappointed with this, but they also recognize if we're going to be successful on the many, many other issues that face British Columbians, we have to move forward, and that's what we're going to do. And the follow-up question for Michelle Mangal. Uh, Andrew Weaver is already calling for a recall campaign against you because he says you broke a promise you made during the campaign. What's your reaction, please? Uh, well, I appreciate that uh, Mr. Weaver uh, frequently uh, takes to Twitter to uh, share his particular views. But I think this is an opportunity for me to actually say that I'm very proud of the people that I represent, and I'm very proud of the work that we've been able to do together for over the last eight years. We've been able to uh, save the Balfour Ferry Terminal. We've been able to keep Jumbo Wild. We've been able to uh, look at ways that we can protect uh, Weimar Watershed, for example. We've uh, built up uh, opportunities around the agricultural sector in the Creston Valley. Just to name a few, we've been able to, my constituents uh, work very hard, actually, on the bus pass clawback and on the uh, child support clawback to end those. And my constituents also work very hard to uh, have their voices heard to end the grizzly bear trophy hunt. So we've been able to work very well together over the last eight years, and I really hope that uh, going forward we're going to continue to do that. Okay, we're going to go to Lisa. You'll have to yell, Lisa. I've spoken, I, I know uh, many of the people affected. I've, uh, as I say, I've been in their kitchens. I've, uh, I've talked to them uh, in, in correspondence as recently this, this weekend. Uh, this is not a day where anything I can say is going to make them feel any better about this. 
I will absolutely be reaching out to them in the days ahead, but, but not today. I, I, I understand the depth of passion people have. These are generational homes in many cases, and, and uh, there's nothing that I can say today to appease them. But I have to say that 4.5 million British Columbians expect me to make decisions in all of their interests, not just the interests of a handful of people. Okay, I'm just going to check if we have any phone questions. It doesn't look like it. I think a lot of people's questions have been answered. So, oh, okay, we'll end it with Mike Smith. Thank you. I thought you had the mic, Smith. You, you mentioned that uh, there was division in your own household over this. Could you expand on that, please? Um, well, my spouse, uh, Ellie, believed that, uh, that the uh, lo values lost were greater than... Uh, then the values gained, and I talked her through it. So she's not leaving. She's sticking around. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, uh, this is a visceral issue for people. And so I explained to her, without breaching cabinet confidence, I hope you're not trying to catch me out here, Mike. I know you're not. But uh, I explained to her the, the challenges that I faced. Uh, my brother, uh, uh, this one as well. And um, do you think the, the dam, once it's built, should be named after a prominent British Columbian? And... Uh, this is not a joke. Do you think it should be named after Christy Clark when she started it? Uh, I, I'll leave that up to whoever's around here when the dam's commissioned. I, I believe that uh, what we need to do is focus on the things that we were elected to do, and naming a dam was not on the list of things that I put when I said, why should I do this? So I'll leave that one unanswered. Okay, thank you very much. Thanks, That's everybody. Right. Appreciate it.